Last year, England came within a few agonising penalty kicks of winning a European Championship at Wembley. Fast forward a year and it's the turn of the Lionesses to try and win the Euros on home soil. There have been some near misses in recent years, but England have momentum and a coach in Serena Wiegmann that has won this tournament already. Out to stop them, a clutch of top teams and it should be a terrific tussle for the trophy. I'm Kevin Hatchard. And this is Women's Euros Only Better. I will apologise already. I only just got back from Glastonbury, so I sound and look even worse than usual. I'm delighted to say uh, that we will have shows throughout the tournament. I'm going to be joined for all of those by top sports reporter Abigail Davis. Abigail, great to have you on the show. If you look at the depth of quality that we have in this tournament, it could be sensational, couldn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Of course, dampened slightly by the fact that my nation, Wales, won't be there, but still a phenomenal tournament. We've been ahead. on less than a minute, Abigail, and you've mentioned it already. <laughs> I'm not going to get much of an opportunity to mention them, so I thought I'd get it in there nice and early. <laughs> yeah, I'd, and it was close, wasn't it? Northern Ireland made it instead, and so and they're in England's group, so there's going to be a lot of focus on them. So, yeah, I can understand why that might sting a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the first game against Northern Ireland. I'll never forget that two-all draw. And actually, when I was looking at England's group last night and this morning in preparation for this podcast, it reminded me that I'm absolutely not over that equaliser in the 94th minute. I think that's sickening blow. But of course, I know we're not here to talk about Wales, but great things to come under Gemma Granger as well, who I know England fans will know very well. Yeah, it's going to be a really intriguing tournament, Abby. So many top teams. You look at England and obviously people will talk about them with home advantage. But you've got Spain, who a lot of people are excited about with what Barcelona have done. Germany, Sweden, a lot of real experts in the women's game are saying they've got a great shot. But the market doesn't necessarily reflect that. There's a clutch of teams that could win it. It's not just two or three. Yeah, absolutely. There are plenty of of favourites coming into this Spain, as you said, because of the dominance of Barcelona. But I think the one team that stands out to me, especially when we're talking about, you know, who should be there is France, because they are someone who, you know, it's not the first international side we're saying this about, but you look at their talent and ability and that ability that they possess. And if you look at that in isolation, they should be making it to the final. but. Of course, they have their off-the-field issues that I believe will be part of the reason they don't. And I believe that they will fall short because I think not having the likes of Henri and Lesommer in the squad will hinder them massively. You know, one being player of the match in the Champions League final and the other being France's all-time scorer. Um, The fact that neither of those are in the squad coming into this is ludicrous, in my opinion, Um, as is the fact that they've never progressed past the quarter-final stage despite that talent that they boast. So, yeah, I think, you know, Henri hasn't been picked for international duty since the back end of 2020, despite her current form, which I think would see her walk into the majority of international midfields, I think it's fair to say. And and yes, they've got an incredibly impressive front line and they'll cause the majority of teams problems. But do they 
suffer slightly from the emission of Les Omer? Absolutely. I think she's going to be a massive miss. And, you know, you look at the management situation, you look at the, the players who are coming out criticising her. Um, and I think, you know, the, the World Cup campaign was labelled by a few players as total chaos under her leadership. So there are a lot of off-field issues with France that will, in my opinion, prevent them from from progressing to the stage that they should. I think they'll come through their group, but if you look at who they could get in the quarterfinal, you know, they could they could be up against Sweden or or Holland. And I think they come through that group, but the quarterfinal, that's gonna be pretty, pretty tight, isn't it? Yeah, it's gonna be big questions about France going forward. We've got a very special guest today, Faker Others followed England all the way to the Euro 2020 final as Talk Sports England reporter. She's been covering women's football in forensic detail for years. She was also in my broadcast journalism class at uni, but thankfully there is no lasting record of our exploits on the Nottingham club scene, including my dodgy outfit. So we're thankful for that. Faye, it's great to have you on the show. I know you've been running around sorting out flights and uh, press conferences and what have you. You've seen firsthand the pressure that Gareth Southgate's team was under last year. How well equipped are England to deal with that this year? I think they're pretty well equipped, actually. And some of the England men's players actually spoke to the the women at St George's Park when there was the overlap between the Nations League and the warm-up games uh, for the Euros. And Calvin Phillips, in particular, uh, talked about the focus that they felt and how to kind of thrive on it rather than, you know, crumble under the pressure and I think that's going to be quite crucial but actually if you meet this group of players they're so chilled out they're so together and supportive of each other that actually I think the noise outside which inevitably there will be that it won't affect them um, Serena Wiegmann the head coach has talked about um, whether she's going to guide her players to stay on social media or not Um, She said she's not going to put down a law. She recommends that they don't. And I would think that that's a very positive thing to do. But of course, we're in a different era now where, you know, so many of these girls are so young and and, and all they know is social media and and they want to be involved and on the ride. But hopefully there'll be more positivity than negativity. And if there is any negativity, they can block that out. Yes, interesting what Abigail was saying about France because you get that kind of lead from the coach Corinne Diacre who's made some really big calls and really quite baffling calls at various stages seems the opposite with Serena Wiegmann it feels like England have a real asset there somebody who has already won this tournament and there does seem to be that quiet authority doesn't there? She's a people person. Um, I sat down with her the other week and she's very similar to Gareth Southgate and they get on very well, actually. And it's because they both put the human first. So I think they they both have a leadership style that that leads them to believe that putting the human first and then the performance, the performance will come afterwards. Um, And if these players feel important, which, you know, going back to Abby's point, you know, clearly many of the French players don't feel particularly important. 
it's so crucial because you have a squad of 23 and Gareth Southgate's talked in the past and Serena Wiegmann does as well about the importance of the depth of the squad and that everybody is on this in inverted commas sorry journey um, and it's quite important for them um, to know how important their role is if they're not one of the starting 11 and I think she's very good at, at doing that and, and making sure that every single player feels like if they weren't there um, it would be a problem um, and I think that's vital going into a tournament because you just don't know you know what um, injuries are going to occur what circumstances um, you know different players for different opposition um, so I think that's really crucial and they seem you know bearing in mind she only joined in September I think they're loving life under her from what I can understand we did the big media day last week and they speak so highly of her, exactly the word you use. She has an authority about her and no nonsense. I mean, she gave some of the reporters in her first press conference at the squad announcement short shrift because they kept asking about Steph Horton. And she said, I've answered that. And she just cut yeah. them down straight away. But so that decision showed that she can be ruthless as well, didn't it? Because yeah, definitely. Oh, she Steph is ruthless. Played and... It would have been very, very easy. It would have been the easy road, wouldn't it, to say, well, actually, I'll put Steph in the squad because of what she's done, because of her experience. But actually, she wants to win the tournament and she might need every player. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, there are people that disagree with that decision. Um, but Steph hadn't played since January. Um, I do think she could have potentially been a big voice in the in the dressing room. And I think it's really disappointing for, for Steph personally, bearing in mind what she's done for women's football, to then not be able to be part of this squad going into a, a, a major tournament, but on home soil. So from a personal level, I'm really gutted for her. But I agree with you in terms of the ruthlessness of it and wanting to win you can't take and, 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 and I'm so sorry for anybody who thinks I'm calling uh, Steph Horton a passenger she quite clearly would not be a passenger but in terms of what she would be able to do on the field and the best Steph Horton we would be able to see on the field I think it's the right decision to have made. I think as well it's quite interesting to to think you know the report suggested that and I think Serena herself said that, you know, Steph was quite angry with the decision. But from that situation, I think, especially from what we know about Serena, especially what you've just said there, Faye, of course she prioritises success with her decision-making and, you know, she eliminates any doubt or sentiment. But I do firmly believe that Serena would have dealt with that situation in the best way possible because at the forefront of her mind is dealing with these players with respect, giving them the respect they deserve. You know, we've seen the way she talks about other managers in football and she's very, of course, very knowledgeable, very switched on in what everyone can bring. So I don't think it would be a case of she announced the squad and that's how Steph found out, you know. Of course, she will have sat down and had that conversation because I think we can sometimes portray Serena as this kind of robot, you know, because she's so direct so forthcoming with what she says but she's the complete opposite isn't she so I think you know she would have dealt with that situation in the best way possible and let's not forget that she came into this England setup after a period of massive upheaval for England and the way that she settled that you know I think it might have taken quite a lot to settle that squad and make them believe in the manager again and and really settle them down and she was able to do that quite quickly so I think she, yeah, she's that's she's a lot of young 
She's brought a lot of youngsters in as well, and she's she's put an ident on the team, and she's she's been loyal as well, actually, to the players that she brought in for her first uh, camp back in September. And I think that you you made the point there. She she did actually um, invite every single player individually. That the twenty eight she obviously had to let down five. Um, she had them all come in individually and I was actually at St George's Park when when that was going on and I and I went out of the hotel because it's it's just such a horrible experience for any player to to get that close and then you know be, be told that they're not you know wanted in the squad but she made sure she sat down and, and gave reasons why uh, backed it up that's all anybody wants if if the decision doesn't go your way you just want to be told why and what you could do better um, because you're talking to, to players who are winners um, you know with their clubs and and you know they want to be with their country as well so in order to treat them with that respect because she might still need them we haven't kicked the first ball yet so you know yeah. <laughs> there's still time we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet so betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and gold markets on the sports book even during var reviews or when there's a penalty it's interesting you talk to players and you talk to ex-players about what they want from coaches and one of the top things they always say is honesty they just wait if they're not in the team they want to know why if they are in the team uh, then you know and as well it was interesting i was talking to um uh, a goal, a goalkeeper who played for some quite big clubs, and he said that one of the times he got most angry with a manager was when he was given the impression that he could compete and whatever he did in training would work. And if he genuinely played better than the guy who was the number one, he'd have the chance to play. And it turned out that wasn't the case, and he's still pretty angry uh, about that now. Abby, you did a preview for betting.betfair.com, our website on England against the Netherlands, and you quite rightly tipped that there were going to be goals in that game. Five for England, just the one for the Netherlands. Uh, had a good performance against Belgium as well, where they switched it up in the second half and, and managed to make the breakthrough. What have we learned, do we think, from those games? I think we've learned that that clinical edge that has previously been missing with England is certainly no longer an issue. But also something that, that Faye has previously mentioned is that there are players on that bench now that, England can rely upon because in that game against Belgium, the first 45 minutes really, really struggled to find that breakthrough. And you've got the likes of Chloe Kelly, who of course will play a more significant role, I feel, at the Euros. But yeah, you just you know that squad depth is there. You've probably got two starting 11s that you could that you could field and would do a job against most nations. But there are so many dangerous players for England now because we saw. Lauren Hemp, and we've mentioned already, you know, Faye said there are a lot of youngsters coming through. Lauren Hemp, one of the main things that excites and and really impresses me about her is that, you know, you look at the, the pressure Man City were under last season, midway through the campaign, then on the final day of the season even, when they knew that any slip-up could allow Man United to overtake them and claim that final Champions League spot... She really stepped up. I was at that game on the final day of the season and she stepped up at just 21 years of age. She shouldered so much of that responsibility and the pressure and the way she handled it was was admirable, in fact. And it's performances like that from the younger Lionesses that make me quite certain that they won't falter under the additional pressure and the demands and the stresses of being the host nation this summer. 
Um, you know, with the ball at her feet, we've seen the way she dances and weaves her way through defences, whether out wide she can move in field. She's fearless taking on fullbacks and it, it's a joy to watch. But there are so many players like that in this England setup who have that vision, who have that awareness and, you know, looking to get in the right positions off the ball. And that hunger, I feel, is certainly stronger than it ever has been with this England side. Faye, it's really interesting that Abby mentions Lauren Hemp. I was at the FA Cup final and what struck me is it's not just a, a bravery to run at defenders and, and and expose them one-on-one. It's a willingness and an ability to affect the game. We can see wingers that look good, but actually you get through the 19, you think, well, what actually did they do in terms of their impact? But she makes an impact, whether it's making goals, scoring goals. And you look at the odds. I mean, I was looking at the top scorer market, 33 to 1. I know she's not always a regular goal scorer, but it feels like this is a player coming into a really good run of form. Did you see her goal against the Netherlands? I mean, it was phenomenal. It was... uh, She is everything you want to see in a player. And you mentioned her age there, actually, I mean, and and Kev, you said we went to university together. Take us back to when we were 21. We were fearless, weren't we? That's the kind <laughs> of players you want. Yeah. You, you know, they absolutely believe 100% in their ability. It's before they've, you know, got old and, and, and wrinkly and uh, and been questioned over the years. Do you know what I mean? It's that, that they, they 100% go for it with, with, with zero yeah. fear. And when you see her flying down, particularly the left wing, I didn't like it when she was switched over to the right against Belgium. I don't think she's a, a, as effective uh, on the right-hand side as she is down the left. But when you look... Rachel Daly's been playing as as left back. There's a really nice link up between the two of them, and of course Rachel Daly plays as a forward for Houston Dash. So the two of them, you know, over and underlapping each other is is a really strong weapon. If Serena Wiegmann, perhaps against the weaker sides, decides to go for Rachel Daly over Demi Stokes in that left back position, um, but Lauren Hemp for me is a player that can affect a game as you say and if she's got the right players on the pitch that I mean they they marked her in the first half of of that um Netherlands game they double marked her that's how important other teams see her as and the minute she had a little bit more freedom when the the Dutch seemed to collapse a little bit you know we saw the Lauren Hemp we we, we know is there Ellen White still banging in goals still such an effective player if you look at the top scorer market on the sports book she's top of that market right now. And Abby, she is still somebody that is such an effective weapon for England, whether she starts every game or not. You know, she is somebody that can turn a game in an instant. Yeah, most definitely. We all know the threat that she possesses. But I do think, having just had COVID myself, the effects of that, we're yet to see it. Of course, I'm not in any physical shape that can compete with the likes of Ellen White. I think that's fair. You're to not say. alone there. It's not just you. <laughs> but well, talk about t- talk amongst yourselves with that. You know, I'm an elite well, athlete. So. Absolutely. Exactly. Look at you with your skipping rope as we're doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm even slightly out of breath. But you know, in all seriousness, it's still I'm still recovering from. The effects of that. And of course, she'll have the right nutrition. She's not eating hot dogs for tea like I am every day. <laughs> but, you know, it is something that needs to be considered with her. Um, and you mention, of course, her being favourite. I think she's six to one, isn't she, to be yeah. the top scorer in this tournament. But for me, 
it's Beth Mead. Beth Mead is the player that I think, certainly for England, if not the tournament, will be the top scorer because everything she did for Arsenal last season, you know, her close control is just ridiculous. Um, her footwork, the way she just creates space for herself. I wish I could do anything in my life as easily and as flawlessly as she controls a ball because that is, she's just a joy to watch. You know, 40 appearances, 19 assists. She's the WSL all-time top assister, 14 goals as well last season. She's comfortable out wide providing assists as well. I think Faye mentioned, you know, Lauren Hemp, the ball she gets into the, the area, but Beth Mead is so much more than just your out-and-out striker. She does so much, you know, she can drop a little bit deeper as well. So I think she's, yeah, for me, she's going to be England's top scorer in this tournament. It's really interesting you say that. Sorry to interrupt you, Kev. Um, It's interesting you say that because um, what I loved about Beth Mead against the Netherlands is that she clearly didn't have her best game against Belgium and she came off at half-time and... You know, they they ended up winning 3-0. So she was benched for the Netherlands game. Do not make Beth Mead angry (laughs) because the minute she stepped on that pitch, she had a point to prove. And she was so cross, I feel, with her own performance, um, which wasn't bad against Belgium. It just wasn't clinical. That was the problem. They needed to be more more ruthless. The first half performance against the Netherlands was sloppy and, and messy. Beth Mead then came on and she was clinical. Um, two goals created everything good about that England side in in that second half. And I feel as if if she knows there is competition for places, she knows her place is not guaranteed. And I think that's a real weapon for Serena Wiegmann to be able to use because nobody's comfortable, which means that they all have to go in and put in the best performance they can possibly do. And we saw that from Beth Mead the other night. And I think that comes back to the player management, doesn't it, side of things? Because I think I saw Beth Bethany England saying recently that she knows that she's not guaranteed a spot there, but they are all so committed to the overall project and the overall aims of England that they are just happy to play whatever role they can. And I think where you said, you know, if Seth Houghton had been involved in the squad and she would have largely been a voice in that changing room, these players don't mind if that's their role because they are just, they believe in the process. They believe in what's happening with this England squad. So they're just happy to play whatever role they can. You can check out the Betfair Boost where you can boost the odds of our already boosted Euro selections each day of the tournament with the tokens in your bet slip. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, it was interesting last year, Gareth Southgate was able to build that team effectively around guys like Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips and a very solid defensive unit. And it feels like England have at least the potential to have that. Kira Walsh is sensational in that central area and somebody that can set a platform. And then they have some excellent centre-backs. Yeah, they really do. And actually, with what Serena Wiegmann has done is, is move Leah Williamson into midfield alongside Kira Walsh just to stabilise them a bit more. Um, Alex Greenwood and Millie Bright look like the two nailed-on um, centre-back partnerships. Um, I think it's the full-backs maybe that, that, will, that will switch. But they look more solid than they have done in a very, very long time because defence has always been an issue that, that England have had. Millie Bright is 
phenomenal for for Chelsea, but just always seemed to not quite feel comfortable playing for for England. And there was always communication issues at times between her and Steph Horton. So the fact that she's now linking up so well with with Alex Greenwood, who of course you know, usually is a fullback, but has been playing as a centre-back for Manchester City this season and, and has really been comfortable in that role. She incidentally also had COVID um, pre-camp and so has struggled to get back into fitness. But, you know, hopefully that, uh, obviously it's different for, for every single athlete, but hopefully that bodes well for Ellen White going forward because Alex Greenwood has played, you know, a, a lot of minutes now having having had to rest. Um, but yeah, I agree with you in in the midfield in particular. And then you look at the fact that Frank Kirby is back in that number 10 position. Georgia Stanway can play there as well. It feels as if building from the back to the front, it's it it just feels exciting to me. Abby, if we look at that group, you've mentioned Northern Ireland already, Austria in there. You look at Norway and they're the biggest threat in the group and they do have a couple of world-class players, don't they? Yeah, most definitely. You know, having Caroline Graham Hansen and Ada Hagerberg available is key for them, you feel, because scoring goals was such a big issue for them in 2017. But with that duo up top... That shouldn't be the case this time around. And then, you know, you've got Mayelda as well. We've seen often enough for Chelsea how crucial she is at the heart of defence. So it's a real boost to have her back from, of course, that long injury layoff that she had. But yeah, you look at the group, to be honest, and it's just even with Austria. I know England beat them 1-0 at the back end of last year, but you just think the run that they've been on since winning seven of their last eight and of course, that one defeat coming to Denmark. But you look at the strength in that group, you you do start to fear for Northern Ireland, don't you, unfortunately? Even though I know they're there at the expense of Wales, which I don't think I'd mentioned yet, had I? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Maybe but, once. Yeah. Maybe once. <laughs> but um, yeah, you do start to fear for their chances, don't you, of making it out of the group. But it is their maiden major tournament. So it is great to see them there. Faye, we've been very positive about England, rightly. You look at the overall market on the Betfair exchange for the tournament, England are the second favourites here at 5.7 behind Spain. Does that feel about right to you? Or do you think England's price has maybe been driven down as it often is by a bit of patriotism? Uh, I, I think they are the favourites. I, I feel home advantage is massive because nobody expected the Netherlands to do what they did in in 2017. And I, I, I strongly believe that they were guided through and, and pushed on uh, by their fans at home. And England have that as well. Then when they're capable of going on routes like they did against a team like the Netherlands, who are the reigning champions, I think that that, although, yes, I'm sure it will, you know, um, do things to, to prices, I, I, I still think that that is a big, big statement of intent um, and that they're going to go very, very far. Of course, though, you know, because... Of, of the number of teams involved. They, they face potential tough opposition from that horrible Group B um, as soon as they enter the quarterfinal stage. But at the same time, I, I feel as if Serena Wiegmann, as Abby mentioned earlier, has brought this winning mentality to this England side and a ruthlessness that they maybe didn't have before. 
And we are going to look at Group B and indeed all of the other threats that England face at Euro 2022 on our next show. We're going to have shows all the way through the tournament. But that's all we have time for on this edition of Women's Euros Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of preview content already on our website, betting.betfair.com. And we're going to have every single game previewed for you on there. From Abigail, from Faye and from me, it's goodbye for now.